Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as I mentioned last week, longtime friend, new guest host, Demarcus Heller. Yo, yo, what's going on, Doc? Woo! Oh, man, it's good to have... It's always... I get I get more jitters when I have a, when I have a new guest host. Like, I just get excited right. that there's a new person to talk to. You know me. I like oh, yeah. I like to talk. And when I got a new person, it's even better, man. That's right. So, DeMarcus, I want to let you know, you're the next right. person in line of a proud group of co-hosts that no one knows besides the three people that regularly listen to our show. So, Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. So, I mean, Eric Cirillo, Claude Lathan, Justin Evangelista, Dave Berlin, Jake Parler, and now Demarcus Heller. There you go. There you go. Well, you, I feel honored, man. You should. <laughs> you should. You are one in seven, in essentially seven billion people of the world that can say, I have co-hosted the Doc G show. Wow. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm in a secret society right now, like a, a little bit. some type of special. A little bit. <laughs> you you are. It's 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 very special. Um, nice. Now, Demarcus, after analyzing um, what I've seen the other co-hosts uh, have gone through after starting co-hosting the show, I feel like I need to tell you a couple things that you can expect in your life. Okay. Um, get ready for your life to stay pretty much the same as it was before you co-hosted. Mm. Uh, no one will recognize you. Nope. Uh, nope. And no one will care that you're doing the show. Nope. And pretty much everything will be the exact same, except you'll talk to me for about an hour and a half once a week. That will... So oh, wow. true. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if you think you can handle that, that's what's going to go down. Hey... You know, I feel like uh, I feel like if anyone can handle that, that would be me. I think Doc, for knowing you for years. I think yeah. you, you can handle it. Now, what yeah. what the listeners can't handle is some of the off the wall things that you do out in public. They don't know, <laughs> but sometimes you get you get a little nuts out there, and hey. I'll throw in a couple stories a little later to the listeners of what I'm talking about. But trust me, listeners, he does. He does some weird things that you're not ready for sometimes. I'm a changed man, Doc. Oh, I don't know oh, what you're talking okay, about. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But now uh, it's it's sort of a regular thing here on the show that when we get a new co-host, I feel like the listeners need to get to know you. So I right. do a couple of ice-breaking questions Sweet. so listeners can say, hey, I know DeMarcus. Me and DeMarcus, mm. we're pals. I know right. about this dude. So first off, here's the first one. It's a well-known fact by the listeners of the show. This show likes animals. We're That's a big a fan. fan of animals. So right, right. I got to ask you, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Hmm. Man, if I can be any animal, I would probably be a giraffe. Giraffe. Wow. A giraffe. Is that is that because you just want the height? 
Or are you just? I definitely want. I want the height, man. I've been short all my life, and I feel it. I'm, I feel yeah, it. Yeah. So most of the women that I dated in the past Tall. have been like a foot taller yeah. than me. So yeah, so I got giraffe. You. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I thought about it. I. By the way, I just interject my opinion on these. Uh, the listeners know mm-hmm. that as well. Even though they're not getting to know me because they've known me for four years, I still throw it in regardless. Um, right. Because it's my show. Girl, come but on. you know. Um, <laughs> I'm going with Panda. That's what I'm Panda. Going. Yeah. Because, like, think, okay. you know, they're big enough never to really get bothered by any other animals. Like, you know, like, nope. a tiger's not going to really try to attack a panda because he's just like, geez, this guy's big. Uh, I don't right. want to. And, like, <laughs> they never really have to seem to worry about food because, like, they basically eat bamboo all day and it's all around. So, like, they don't have to go searching for things. So, like, huh. I mean, it seems like most of their day just consists of rolling down hills and scratching their butts against trees. So, <laughs> you know, low threats, very relaxed. I like it. That, okay, okay. Yeah, but... I can see that. Plus, people people think you're, you know, they think you're cute. So, I like that. Ooh, you'll probably get a lot of play from the ladies, Exactly. For sure. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Okay, here's the next one. If you <laughs> could be anywhere in the world right now, just like on a trip, where would you want to go? Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, oh, I would probably, right now, hmm, probably Sweet. Italy. Well, uh, yeah, okay, I was about to say, just uh, take COVID out of the question, because we don't want to, yeah, just just regular, so you're saying Italy, I like it, I like it. Yeah, Italy, somewhere in Greece, maybe. No, nice, yeah, Greece yeah. is on there. I, I went with St. Lucia in the Caribbean, because gosh, that okay. place looks magical, and then, oh. and then New Zealand, those are my two choices. New Zealand? Yeah. New Zealand okay. just looks like a whole like it looks like you're going to visit the Lord of the Rings mainly because they <laughs> they recorded all of the Lord of the Rings there but like still it's just like it's like a whole different place it, and it's also sort of like Australia without the horrible animals that can kill you like right the big yeah, spiders and snakes yeah. and jellyfish and sharks and crocodiles—just right. everything. No, no need for that. <laughs> I am not an Aussie when it comes to that. Anyways, <laughs> if you could have an endless supply of one type of food, what would it be? Hmm. Um, I would probably have to go with uh, cinnamon toast crunch cereal. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That cinnamon toast crunch cereal. That definitely is one of my top three cereals. I do. Yeah. I do love cinnamon toast crunch. And like, you think you get tired of it, but all of a sudden at the end of the bowl, you're like, man, I could go for another one of those. Oh yeah, man. Like, and then you got to drink the milk too. Oh yeah. It's, it's like basically brown by the time you get down there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a little, it's, uh, it's, it's bad, but man, is it good. I, oh yeah. I just, I love Italian food too much. I think I would go like something like pizza. Like, I can, I mean, like pizza really, honestly, if it's like, and in that question, you know, not to get technical, Mm -hmm. but I just said one type of food. So if I could go Mm. all kinds of different, like pizza styles in that time. Oh God, I never get tired of that. Chicago one day, <laughs> New York the next, Ooh, Napoli the next. Yeah. Like you just keep going, man. That's a fact. Um, okay, I find this one. I find this one uh, fairly interesting because uh, I, I, I've noticed this when I go to the beach with people. Uh, when you go mm. to like a beach resort, are you the type right. of guy that prefers to stay lounging at the pool, or are you a, a beach guy? Which would you rather do, like during the day, or do you mix it up? Mm. 
uh i'm i'm a man of change like i gotta i gotta mix things yeah. up a little bit so i can lounge around yeah for, just for a little bit but i like to stay moving and okay. kind of see what's around yeah at the same that's time. Exactly. well i know yeah i mean we've done it we've we've gone to the beach together with the bikes i know you're a you're right. a bike guy on the beach oh, which yeah. i am too but like right my brother's like a complete like you cannot go to the pool completely outlaw Word. like just uh, he the only beach we're at the beach don't go to the pool don't waste your time <laughs> and i'm like hey right. there's some good looking ladies at the pool he's like worthless keep going to the beach <laughs> Wait, what? you know all right man anyways yeah. okay so you're entering an arena let's say mm -hmm. let's say you're coming on a show maybe like this show right uh, mm -hmm. What would your theme song be? Now, obviously, I can't play a theme song for you because we don't have the licensing power. But if we did, mm. what would be your theme song when I introduced you? Oh, my theme song. Oh, man, that would probably be uh, Little John. Oh. Throw it up. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice, the energy. I like it. Oh, yeah. I like it's it. so intense. Yeah. Man. I I actually this is a true story when this when I first made this show and the idea for this show back in uh, in 15 back in 2015 I wanted mm -hmm. to make the theme sh uh, song of the show Beck uh, Beck's loser uh, the song loser from uh, the 90s ah. yeah Mm -hmm. because I'm a loser. Um, so I <laughs> I wanted that to be the intro, but, you know, licensing right. made that impossible. So that would be ah, my theme song so true. if I could. Okay, here's the, the, okay. this one's an important one. Who had the mm -hmm. biggest influence on you as a kid? Biggest influence on me as a kid? Mm -hmm. I would definitely have to say Jack say LaLanne. What? Jack LaLanne, look at you. Fitness Jack LaLanne, man. master, man. Uh, oh, yeah. Like when, I remember when I was a kid... Um, I uh, I used to wake up every morning, early in the morning, mm -hmm. and work out with Jack and his dog. Wow! Uh, always wanted to be like him. The guy's a bad well, man. Well, what was a? I mean, what did he live to? Ninety eight? Ninety? Yeah, he. It was. It was, it was mid. It was at least mid nineties. I know that. But that. Yeah. Yeah. The juicer, the strength. I mean, that guy was. Oh yeah. Ripped up until he was ninety something, like you said. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I give it up. That's a, that's a good. That's a good influence. I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to say my brother or Michael Jordan. Those would be my two. Nice. Those those okay. two. Uh, you know, obviously, I really undershot the Michael Jordan target. Did not make it to that level. He influenced me, but I didn't get anywhere <laughs> close to that level. Um, right. Now this one I asked Dave when we were getting to know mm -hmm. Dave back in the day, and I, I like it. What did your high school locker look like? Oh man. High school mm, locker? Yeah. Man. Whew. I think it was pretty much like gray with a little Wait, turn. What? Oh no, no, no. Nah. I'm saying I'm saying like on the inside. Did you deck it out with anything? Was it was it oh, like oh, oh, organized? Oh. Like what 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 did it have there? Like did you oh, put up yeah. pictures? Oh, I did have pictures up. I remember I had like pictures of like Tupac. Nice. Um most like cash money nice. at the time yeah so it was it was probably like your your early old school rappers and stuff like juvenile and some athletes like oh yeah of course absolutely nice nice the yeah, 504 man. boys nice. uh, see you, you taking it back yeah they, they ain't ready for that dog yes i'm ready for that <laughs> i am all right now i the the listeners already know mine was decked out in in mm -hmm. jordan it was all michael jordan, jordan. pictures so true um now, did, was yours organized? Like, did you actually, like, have, like, books in order and things like that? 
Oh, no. Okay. Like, I'm yeah. so messy. Yeah, same here. No. Same, same here. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I told. Like, actually, one time it got so out of hand, I remember I left, like, a bagged lunch in there, and, like, the banana got smashed underneath <laughs> something, and, like, somebody's like, what smells? And I'm like, sorry, guys, it's my locker. My bad. That's, that's my locker. Okay. It's me. Now that we have got to know you, Demarcus, I think, I think I got one more question. Is okay. co-hosting the Doc G show the greatest thing you've ever done in your life? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Are you ready to fire what? this show up? Let's fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Mm. Oh, Demarcus, we got an amazing show today. Fantastic. Yes! Tony Esterly. He's a producer, songwriter, musician. Can't wait to talk to him. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. But first, we need to start where we start the show, which is birthday suit. Are you ready? I am ready, Doc. Happy birthday. Now, I broke it down to you. You know the deal. I'm going to give you basically a description of a person, and now you can jump in at any time when you think you know it. If you know it, just yell the name out. Just yell okay. it out. Now, uh, I usually give a percentage of how confident I am that you'll be uh, you'll be able to get it. So, I how confident would you say you are on movie actors? Movie actors. Like, well-known actors. Well-known. I mean, they're. Hmm. Pre- I mean, you know, relatively for the, the 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 country, like you know, I would say the majority of people have heard of this person. Hmm. Uh, you confident? I say, I say I'm pretty decent, fairly decent. Okay, I'm gonna shoot it at ninety percent because this guy's 90%. pretty well known. I'm pretty confident okay. you'll get it. Uh, born right. on November eighteenth, nineteen sixty-eight, in Dallas, Texas. His mother was a photographer, and his father was an executive and operator of a public television station. Hmm. He was always interested in acting from a young age, and as uh, he was interested in acting, and so were his younger and older brothers, who both ended up being actors as well. But he ended up going to the University of Texas, and he studied English. Hmm. He started acting in the early 90s, and he made his big screen debut in the movie Bottle Rocket. Mm. He then was cast alongside Jackie Chan in Shanghai Noon. That's right. And then in Zoolander as Hansel. After that, he took a serious role in the movie Behind Enemy Lines. Then in 2004, he played in Starsky and Hutch. And Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller. In 2005, he played in his arguably biggest role in Wedding Crashers with Vince Vaughn. In 2011, he starred in the Woody Alley movie uh, Midnight in Paris. And in 2016, he starred in Father Figures with Ed Helms. Dude. Name that birthday suit wearer. Oh my gosh! Uh, I'll give you. I'll I, give you a couple hints because it seems like you're scrambling. It's your first one. It's understandable. Uh, it's not Robert De Niro, is it? No, what? no, no. So blonde hair, shaggy blonde, blonde hair, hair uh, looks like a crooked nose. Oh gosh! 
why is his face? I know exactly who you're talking about. I'll give you. I'll, I'll uh, give you the. Okay, you got a guess? Hmm. Wait, give me some more. I'll give, me give some you more. the initials. O W. O W. Oh, Owen Wilson. Boom. Owen Wilson. There it is. There we go. Owen Wilson. Yeah, Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, little yeah. little bit of pulling teeth. We got there. We got there. It's good, man. Hey, we made it. Yeah, we made it. Turn turning the big five two Owen Wilson, fifty two. Now, what's wild about Owen Wilson? Uh, mm. We had Matthew McConaughey as the birthday suit just two weeks ago, right? And he's a year younger than Owen Wilson. They went mm -hmm. to the same college. They both went to uh, to University of Texas. So like. Really? I feel like they had to end up at the same house party at some time. Like, oh, at some point, most definitely. Can you imagine those two at a house party? Like, I bet you that party was lit. That's yeah, crazy. what a bunch of bros to just hang out with. <laughs> Owen and Matt. Oh, which I brought that up last uh, when we had Matthew McConaughey. Like everybody always mm -hmm. says Matthew McConaughey. Nobody ever says Matt McConaughey. Nope. Like, ah, uh. there's never like, is that not allowed? Nope. Like, I want to call him just Matt. Like. <laughs> I don't want to call him Matthew. It's too formal. Anyway, yeah, it's too. <laughs> it's it's not it's too many words. It's too yeah. It's too many syllables. Too, Nobody wants too to many get syllables. In that. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. <laughs> uh, regardless, it's not it's not Matt's birthday. Nope. It's Owen's birthday. Happy birthday, Owen! Fifty two. Happy birthday! Oh yes, fifty two years old. Okay, Demarcus, you ready? Rip some headlines. I am ready. Let's go. Okay. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Uh, DeMarcus, ever since the pandemic has hit, um, people have been ordering more things offline, right? Right. You've been ordering some things offline? Oh, of course. Of Amazon course. is killing my bank account yeah. right now. Girl, come true. On. That's true. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> that, that also means more porch pirates, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever had anything stolen off your porch? Hmm. Uh, fortunately, I have not. Nice, nice. Knock on some wood there. Um, yeah, seriously. I I think I have. I think one time it. You know, you're still not sure. Like you don't know where it was lost in the supply chain, so you don't want to say somebody stole it for sure. You know, but one right, time I right. got something off of Amazon. They said it was delivered. They even had the little picture on my porch and then it wasn't there anymore so i mean i gotta <laughs> think somebody stole it you know oh man but anyways now a lot of those porch pirates they get they get thwarted by the cameras you know people have mm. the the doorbell cameras and whatnot right so that happened this past week in goose creek south carolina down there uh Ooh, beside okay. charleston yeah you know goose creek yeah um well this one in particular this neighborhood in Goose Creek, they had packages flying off of people's porches. Girl, come on! People were getting things stolen left and right, right? And, oh, wow. Uh, several of the residents of this neighborhood uh, had front door cameras. And so they all looked at their front door cameras, and they saw same dude stealing the package. Blam. So wow. they posted a picture on their uh, neighborhood Facebook saying... Watch out for this porch pirate. Then they alerted the police, right? And yeah. uh, they gave the pictures of this dude to the police. And the man in the videos and the pictures was wearing a very distinct Norse face t-shirt. Hmm. And uh, 
he showed up. It had it had these graphics on the front, and obviously you could see it very easily in the pictures mm-hmm. from the doorbell camera. The next right. day, he showed up at the Goose Creek Courthouse wearing the exact same outfit. <laughs> he didn't change anything. Girl, come on. He showed up in the same thing, and the police. That's pretty. The police were like, "Is that? Yeah, we got the picture right here. That's that's the dude." Wow. And the police said in a statement, this guy decided to come into our courtroom the day after the first post was made, and lucky for us, he was even wearing the same shirt. (laughs) We are happy to say (laughs) he's in custody. Now, DeMarcus, I have a tendency to analyze behavior on a show, and i got to say, if you want to not get caught in this situation... Mm-hmm. I would say the outfit that you commit criminal behavior in, it's a one-time outfit. It's, yeah. So true. You got to lay low on that outfit after you commit a crime in it. You know? That's just... like, And it should probably be something generic, like a T-shirt, right. a white T-shirt. Everybody's oh, yeah, got absolutely. one of those, you know? Right. Like, I mean... It, it, it was one thing in the O.J. Simpson trials to get O.J. to, to try on the gloves, but it would have right. been a completely another if he would have just walked into the courtroom with bloody gloves on, like, hey, what's up? These are my driving <laughs> gloves. What? Oh, right. oh, geez, I shouldn't be wearing these? Like, come on. Come on, yeah. bro. <laughs> uh, needs, yeah, that was a dead giveaway right there. Needs yeah. to work on it, man. Needs to work oh, on yeah. it. Um, okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, last week we had uh, we had Veterans Day, right? Mm, yeah. Shout out to the vets. Shout, Shout out. out to the vets. Now, Demarcus, another thing you need to know about the show, and right. which is good because you said you're uh, somebody that heavily influenced you, Jack Elaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We wholeheartedly support old people on this show. Um, mm. Not only old people, but old people that break the stereotypes of old people. Those, those are the old people that we really like. The ones that just do crazy things that you're like, they did what? And right. that happened this past Wednesday. So mm, okay, uh, some vets were celebrating Veterans Day, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, this was in Kansas City, Missouri. They decided that they would all do a veteran parachute team with a, sk- a tandem skydive. Mm. So it was a 20-person group of all kinds of veterans led by uh, Navy SEAL Ryan Birdman Parrot. His his nickname is Birdman, which I'm guessing they Birdman. got from Parrot would be my guess. Mm. Um, yeah. But Birdman wasn't who made the jump special. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter Bilkes was the man that made it special. And the reason it was special, he was a former Army Air Corps staff sergeant from World War II. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. Pete's 96 years old. 96 years old. And he jumped out of a plane on Veterans Day. Wow. Yeah. That is a that is a man with some big yeah, big old cojones, pretty, man. Yeah. Big old co- Now, just knowing the old folks that I know, you know, and, right. I, and I haven't known many old folks around that age, you know, mm-hmm. but just knowing them, how much do you want to bet P. 
Pete took a nap on that flight getting up to altitude. <laughs> like, before they jumped, you looked over at Pete, and he was just a half asleep on the side of the plane. <laughs> Somebody had to nudge him, like, hey, Pete, we're here, right. man. Jump out. Yeah. Jump. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also, <laughs> as much as old dudes love to talk about the weather, can you right. imagine their pre-jump meeting? Like, <sighs> okay, guys, um, so we're going to be jumping 0600 tomorrow. Uh, Pete, you got anything to add? Um, well, guys, it was supposed to be 64 when we jumped, which is pretty warm for this time of year. Surprising, the guy on Channel 7 said it was going to be the warmest average temp for the first week of November. Can you believe that? What? Warmest temp. That's crazy for the... Channel 10, though, said it's supposed to be uh, colder in the extended forecast, but you all know about the extended... Hey, Pete, I'm going to jump in and say I'll give you $100 if you don't bring up the weather anymore in this meeting. <laughs> Can that happen? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and lastly, I do have to say, though, DeMarcus, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, people are like, oh, 96, I don't know. I mean, just looking at it on a pure stats level... Pete's really got the least to lose out of those guys, you know? I mean, no offense to Pete, that but, is. like, just just pure statistics-wise, like, come on. What do I got to worry that, about, guys? I've lived 96 years. Come on. That's pretty valid. Yeah. Exactly, man. <laughs> now, DeMarcus, you've been on a couple of flights in your life. Uh, I, I have. Have you ever been on a, a flight with a, an unruly passenger? Mm. Ooh. Hmm. I, I've actually been on some pretty good flights. Like good. I haven't had any. Yeah, I haven't had any. Uh, except for like the crime babies. Like every mm. just about every flight that I've been on. Yeah, had, like, a crime you baby. can't get around yeah. those. And those you're oh, just yeah. like, really? Can't you wait until this kid's 18 before you let him on a flight? Right. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Anyways. Um, so there was an unruly passenger on a United flight this past week. Mm. So... United flight was headed to Houston. I've only been to the Houston airport once. Okay. I always go layover in Dallas. I never get laid over in Houston. Um, anyways, <laughs> this flight was going to Houston. Right. And as they were headed to Houston, apparently uh, this this passenger, she started getting an altercation with another passenger. Ooh. Right? Yeah, and the flight attendant had to jump in the middle try to calm him down right uh the unruly passenger was sierra mcclinton mm. and she uh she wasn't having any of this uh, this calm down business right right no, she was she was upset yeah now i'm sure the listeners are probably asking the question was sierra intoxicated intoxicated right and of course the answer is of course oh absolutely um yeah i mean why else would you be getting unruly <laughs> on a random flight to Texas. Right. <laughs> uh, eventually, the flight attendants had to restrain Sierra. Oh, they had to hold her uh, down? Yeah. Wow. They had to put her in the back of the plane and restrain her. And they had to make an emergency landing in Mobile, Alabama to get rid of oh. Sierra. <laughs> they dropped her now, off. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, the article, uh, in the article, the police stated that when McClinton got off the plane, this is exa exactly how it says it, she was wearing no pants and a t-shirt. Oh. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> and then she was arrested for disorderly conduct and public intoxication. 
Demarcus, I I really, you know, me and you both have uh, background in looking at research studies. Mm -hmm. I think a study needs to be conducted on alcohol and the reason that why for a majority of people when they get drunk, mm -hmm. the response to any altercation is taking off clothes. Mm. Like... Why? I think what like in I blame Nelly, oh, man. Hit me. I blame Nelly. It was getting hot. <laughs> it's getting hot in <laughs> it here. It was getting hot on that flight, man. She had to take her clothes you're off. Go you're going back to the early O's. <laughs> you're going back to the early <laughs> tip hop. I got it. Like I I I honestly though, like in my head, I'm just imagining the flight attendants talking to each other, being like, What do we do with her? Right. I don't well, I put her in the back and we got the child locking seat belts on her, so hopefully she won't cause any more problems. And then like one girl looks back there and she's like, She just took her pants oh, off. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Why did her pants come off? I don't know, but she doesn't have pants on anymore. <laughs> like, how does that happen? How? And like, just in her drunk mind, she's like, oh, this would be good. Better take my pants off. That makes sense. Like, just, oh, man. Just, and this is just my thought, Demarcus, but I think Sierra, she, like, as part of, like, the judge's settlement, right. I think she ha should have to buy every uh, passenger on that plain i'm sorry and i'm sorry cake mm. that says i'm sorry i got drunk and pantless and ruined your trip to texas like that should be and she has to give them to everybody on the plane i Everyone. think you know i'm a i'm a stickler for the penalty has to fit the crime right. you know right. and i th i think i think a cookie cake would fit that crime. i think that's appropriate my thought. yeah that's a, yeah. yeah yeah good good okay we're on the same page oh, uh Demarcus, uh, again, the listeners are well aware of this, right. that some of the best Florida man stories Ooh. come from Polk County. Ooh. Polk County is a hotbed for ridiculous Florida activities. And I've got another one I'm, I'm, right here. I'm ready for this one. Okay, this, this is... I like this is interesting for a couple of reasons. But, so... Um, Last week, Ernest McKnight. Ernest. He was arrested on. Yeah, Ernest. Ernie. <laughs> he was. Uh, he was arrested for several charges uh, for crimes that he committed on apparently what the police called a multi-day crime spree. <laughs> so apparently, this crime spree started when Ernie stole a red Hyundai from a construction worker that was doing surveying for his company. So he was, you know, surveying a piece of land, right. and he had his Hyundai idling, <laughs> and Ernie just jumped in it and was like, yoinks, and drove off. And uh, after that, he then broke into several cars, stole some items from the cars. Man. And then a few hours later, he drove around Lake Wells, uh, stealing packages off of porches. Dang, He's Ernie. a porch pirate there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was getting it. Girl, come on. And uh, one victim saw him doing this and yelled at him to bring the package back, to which he yelled, It's mine now! And just kept driving, which, you know, Ernie had a point. Yeah. Um, now, when the police finally caught up with Ernie on his crime spree, they realized there was something unique about Ernie's crime spree. Hmm. It was the fact hmm. that he had done all of these crimes with an eight-year-old boy with what? him. That <laughs> came along for the whole spree. And then when the police ask Ernie, 
Why did he have an eight-year-old with him? He said, quote, I was uh, trying to toughen him up. I, I don't want him to be soft. Word. Wow. So Ernie thought it was okay to uh, just basically go around taking with an eight-year-old in the back seat. Yeah. To him. yeah. Okay. So I don't even know if he was in the back seat. He could have been in the he front seat. He could have been in the front seat. He, he could have been. Now, now, literally, the next line in the article says McKnight was arrested, and deputies say the child was reunited with his family. Mm. Which nowhere in the story does it say if Ernest is related to this kid in any way. Yeah, that's just which, weird. <laughs> Yeah, which just think like I mean, cause it like I think we all could actually probably see like a crazy uncle of ours be like legitimately thinking like, uh, oh, take a kid on this crime spree, good way to toughen them up. <laughs> like we all have somebody that's a little bit bonkers like that that you're like, right. eh, probably Uncle Jeff. I could see it. Yeah, but like. Just think, it's a whole nother level if Ernie's driving down the street in his stolen Hyundai and saw a kid on a playground. It's like, you know what? Kid needs to get street tough. <laughs> Picking him up for a for a crime spree. Get in, kid. Like, oh, yeah. man. Crazy. You got to love those Florida man stories. So true. Ernie, man. <laughs> Ernie. With the name, Ernie's. They, I didn't even realize Ernie still exists or Ernest. <laughs> oh yeah man Ernest well Ernest is gonna be in prison for a little bit for sure you remember the movie um, Ernie goes to jail Ernie yeah, yeah Ernest man Ernest. there were so many Ernie uh, uh, movies they had Ernest goes to jail Ernest saves Christmas Ernest those they really weren't that they funny weren't at either. All. Nope. not <laughs> funny at all man uh, okay last story before we go to break uh, DeMarcus uh, this is just a headline are you ready for a headline let's go Okay, this is from Daily Beast, and it says, quote, Was Jesus ugly? Question mark. The early church thought so. Mm. Man. That's their headline. That is their headline. That's a, the, the person that wrote this article is really going to regret that they wrote that article <laughs> when they get up to heaven, and like he's walking up to the gate, St. Peter's checking the list, and all of a sudden Jesus walks up behind him like, ah! Not that guy. He called me ugly. 2020, he called me ugly. We're not taking him. Send him back. Like, come on, man. So, like... I thought about this so many different ways, right. DeMarc. Is like, second, like, we're obviously talking theoretical history here, right. but this dude, Jesus, was the son of God. He cured lepers. Right. He turned water into wine. And you're telling me, like, if he was ugly, he couldn't fix his nose and get rid of a couple <laughs> pimples? Like, come on. Like, then how horrible and superficial does it make humans look that a dude that died for all of humanity's sins, a dude that always turned the other cheek and were like, yeah, but you know what? I heard he was ugly. So, <laughs> I did all this for you. <laughs> yeah, like what? And I mean, like, honestly, is there anybody that's going to read that article and be like, oh, they think he was ugly in real? Yeah. I don't know if I can be a Christian anymore. Right. <laughs> that doesn't, I mean, I'm just saying, guys, get it together, oh, man. you know? Yeah, he's again. Yeah, I think he's going to regret that one in the long run. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, they're running out of things to write about, apparently. Uh, apparently. Anyways, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our fantastic guest today, Tony Esterly. We will be right back here on the Doc G Show. Keep it locked.
And we are back here on the Doc A G A Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, as you may know, this is where Dave usually tells you to listen to the podcast. I will now tell you, listen to the podcast. That's right. So if you need to download a podcast listening app like TuneIn or Stitcher, please do. We are on both platforms, or you can just get it on Apple Podcast. You can download all of them. Make sure that you rate us a five stars. If not, do not rate us because I will seethe myself in anger that you gave us something lower than a five stars, and it will ruin my life. Demarcus it will really ruin my life. Hmm. I can't handle a below five stars. So Yeah, that just wouldn't be right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. And you can be like, you know what? I like that DeMarcus is on the show. You can put a comment and say that. Yeah. And Come on. Who and, wouldn't like DeMarcus on the show? And then I'll message DeMarcus and I'll be like, DeMarcus, you got a comment, man. They say they like you on the show. And guess what, listener? You will have made DeMarcus's day then. That's what you'll have done. Right. That's what you will have done. Uh, so make sure you get out there, you listen to the podcast. You can also check us out on Instagram, Doc G Show. You can also check out the website at www.gshow.com. Demarcus, we have a little segment on the show called The Miscellaneous File. Hmm, um, right. This is wherever I have something that I want to talk about that doesn't fit into one of our normal segments. It uh, okay, cool. falls into The Miscellaneous File. It's it's, right. it's like the drawer that everybody has in their kitchen that just has weird crap in it, mm, you know? Right. It's like, hey, I need scissors. Oh, it's in the drawer in the corner. And it's a bunch uh. of, like, takeout menus, some batteries, <laughs> a couple of pens, a couple of notepads, like just a weird koosh ball that you're like, what? <laughs> I've been seeing a koosh ball since 1998. It's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, that's what this file is right here. Okay. So... Uh, the thing that I need to bring to your attention and the listener's attention is the fact that the Pope has an Instagram account. Say what? What? Yeah. Yeah. The Pope has an Instagram. He does. He has an Instagram account. You want to know how many people he follows? Hmm. How many? Zero. Wow. Doesn't follow a He's single a person. It, apparently, God doesn't have an Instagram account, oh. so he can't follow him. So that's uh, <laughs> that's that's the only person that the Pope follows. You know, so true. Um, but I was interested. So how many how many followers do you think the Pope would have? Hmm. Oh man, I would imagine like ten million. Yeah, you get seven point two million. You know? Oh, wow. Which, I mean, that's impressive, obviously. But you think about it, you're like, Kendall Jenner has like 160 million followers. Right. Like, the Pope, <laughs> you're getting beat by Kendall Jenner by, like, a multitude of, of uh, like, 20 times. Girl, come on! Kendall Jenner is beating you, like, in followers. And Did you see the... Oh, like, I can just picture him now, like... Dropping in someone's DM. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get in some <laughs> trouble for it. You can see it. Now, Ew. the other thing that I was in, I thought about, you know, there are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world. 
Now, hmm. obviously, I know not all of those Catholics have Instagram, but a right. good amount of them. Ha How many Catholics are out there not following the Pope? Hmm. If you are I mean, a Catholic and you have Instagram, I think it's sort of your duty to, to follow the Pope. I'm just saying. Right. I'm just saying. Uh, he will judge you if you don't follow him. I'm just saying. Absolutely. Now, the other thing I started thinking about, though, with that is... Yeah, I've I've mentioned this on the show. The listeners know this. I get a little annoyed when really famous people don't follow anyone. It annoys me because because oh, yeah. like I'm like, come on, you can't follow one person, you know? Right. But like I started thinking of this. So the two examples that I gave uh, a while back that didn't follow anybody: Beyonce and and Taylor Swift. Neither of them follow anybody on Instagram. Um, mm. Now I started thinking about this though. I was like, how awesome. And I just want to propose this to Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Think about this, ladies, because it'll be a fun time. How awesome would it be if one of them just chose a random person in, like, Bozeman, Montana, and was just like, Jeff. Sweet. There we go. I'm following Jeff. Word. Right? Like, do you know how crazy TMZ and, like, world... And, like, all these places would be, like, blowing up. Like, oh, my God, Taylor Swift just <laughs> followed Jeff in Montana. Right. And Jeff would be sitting there like, what the hell did Taylor Swift follow me? And then she could make it even crazier, right? Like, then, right. like, media would contact her and be like, "What? what's your connection with Jeff in Bozeman, Montana? And she could just be like... Oh, I think Jeff knows. Wink. And everybody would be like, oh, my God, what's going on with Jeff? Like, they would go insane, and it would be so fun. Absolutely. There'd be no reason. She needs to do that. Anybody, but Jeff would get so much play off of that. Yeah, exactly. People would just be like, oh, my. And, like, Je and like maybe even, you know, she could let Jeff in on it after a while. She could, like, you know, she could, like, DM and be like, hey, Jeff. Give me a call, you know, and Jeff would call her and she'd be like, hey, listen, I'm just doing this to F with Sweet. people. So if you want to F with people and say whatever, completely fine. Go with it, you know, and like hopefully Jeff would be cool and he'd go with it. That's the risk is maybe that Jeff wouldn't be cool, you know, and ruin it. But like, right. I'm just saying, think about it, ladies. It would be really fun for you guys to do just think about it. the pope can't really do that nope. because that would right. be all kinds of no doubt like illuminati things would pop up and people would think that maybe like you know he like you said he was dming before and they're like Does the pope have something with jeff and bozeman montana what's going on there you know that that wouldn't be good but beyonce taylor think about it okay oh. okay demarcus it's time we always like to give appreciation to the folks that listen, and I love to give appreciation to the international listeners, you know? Yes! Like, you are appreciated. Yeah, well, yes! just think about how cool it is right now that there's somebody in Thailand listening to Thailand. us. Thailand. Yeah. Thailand. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to run down the countries last week that listened to us. Some fantastic countries out there. So let's start it off. Mexico. Mexico had the most Shout listens out. last week. Shout out to Mexico. Shout out to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, now next on the list, I used it as an example, but they had the second most. Thailand had the second most Shout listens. Out. Thank you, Thailand. Nice. Then our neighbors from the north. 
Canada. Shout, Shout out. out to Canada. Thank you for listening. Shout out. Now, uh, Spain, Shout España. Out. Now, okay. Now, I'll tell you, uh, Demarcus, uh, Spain right. has been listening to us literally solid for three years straight. Every hey, week. Spain. Every you week. You deserve it. Exactly. You deserve it, Spain. Next, we're headed to the uh, Caribbean, Bahamas. Bahamas, shout, shout okay. out the Bahamas. Uh, Absolutely. France, shout out to France. Thank you for shout listening. Shout out France. Shout Ireland. Out. There we go. Shout out to Ireland. Okay. They've been regular okay. for about a year and a half, shout those out. guys, every week. Thank you, Ireland. Italy, Italy, long-time listeners, just like Spain. Italy's been going for like three years. Shout out to Italy. Big shout out to Italy. For sure. Uh, DeMarcus is planning on going to your country at some point in time. Oh, yeah. Please show me a good time when I get there. Please show me a good time. Yes. Ukraine. Ukraine, shout out oh, to Ukraine. Out. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The UK, United Kingdom, shout out to United Kingdom for listening. Shout out. Uh, shout out. Russia. Russia, shout out to Russia for listening. Now, this one I got really excited about because they haven't listened in a long time, but last week they did. Hong Kong. Shout, shout out. out to Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Germany, shout out to Germany. Shout out. We see you, Germany. Shout out to South Korea. Yes. Okay. Okay. South Korea. Shout, shout out. out to Finland. Yes. Finland. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Israel. Shout That's out. right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shout out to Japan. Shout out. Shout Japan. out to the Netherlands. Shout out. Okay. okay. Shout out to Slovakia. Shout out. And oh, lastly, all over the place. Shout out to Venezuela. There we go. Oh, nice. Yeah, man. All nice. over. We literally hit everything except for Australia and Africa. We need to get the Australia and Africa on there, but all other continents covered. Covered. Wait, we got Antarctica? Did I miss that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know Girl, come on. nobody's living okay, there. Come on. We don't have, any, have, like we don't have any crazy penguins <laughs> tuning in. That's not happening, all right? Uh, okay. Okay. I got. Thank you for listening, international listeners. Please uh, tell your friends, you know. Tell your friends. We want Spread everybody in all of those countries to listen. We appreciate it. We know it takes more for you guys to listen than others. Like, I mean, why do you have a, a reason to listen to a show in Florida besides you like it? You know? Right. That's what that's what I love about you guys. Thank you for listening. You literally. Some weeks I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't really feel like doing the show. And then I think about you guys and I'm like, no way. I'm not letting them <laughs> down. It's not happening. I'm making the show. It's going on. So thank you, guys. Shout out to you, truly. Big shout out. Yeah. Okay, we got one left over headline here, uh, DeMarcus. Now, I'm sure you're aware, uh, Mike Tyson, he was a fan of pigeons, right? Oh, yeah. Whole bunch. He had like a whole bunch back in the day. Uh, Right. Which, by the way, uh, this is off the topic of the actual story. But have you uh, seen Mike Tyson in those re- recent pictures? The old oh man strong pictures? The dude is a beast. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the one thing that is like, you know, that I've seen these, it, one of the pictures, he's like in a dimly lit room, like in a boxing ring. And it's, it's mildly concerning because he looks like Danny Glover. Hmm. <laughs> like honestly all I could see him saying in that picture was I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> like that's all like I was just like nah, Mike yeah I mean but don't get me wrong 
dude is ripped. Yes. He oh, is. the dude is he? It, it, he's what fifty four? Yeah. yeah, he's a beast. I'm interested in seeing that though. Those two old men getting at it, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. I want to see that. Oh, that's that's coming up. Like yeah, this month, two, right? like, yeah, it's like a week actually. It's like two yeah, weeks, like a week, week something like that. It's crazy, man. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, Roy lost a little speed, but also obviously Mike did too. So I, I give Mike the harder punch. Obviously, I don't know, man. Gonna be. It's it's gonna be a good one. Interesting. Anyways, completely off the point. The point of the story was that Mike Tyson mm-hmm. had pigeons, and right. You know, I started thinking, like, what if Mike wanted to buy, like, a really nice pigeon? How much do you think a really nice pigeon would cost? Like, the nicest pigeon. Hmm. Man, a nice pigeon? Shoot. I don't know. No idea, right? No idea, man. Yeah. Apparently, this past week, the world record for the world's most expensive pigeon was broken. Wow. Really? Uh, Retired Belgian pigeon trainer... Gaston Van Wooer, who trained hmm. racing pigeons, which I got to be honest, Demarcus, that's one of those things that, like, I knew pigeon racing was a thing, but I just never really committed it to an actual thought, you know? Like, because it's right. pigeon racing. Who thinks pigeon, about that? What like, the f- pigeon racing? They send them out, like, on a message. You know, you know how they used to have, like, pigeon carriers? You'd, you'd send a, a note with a pigeon to somebody else you train them like basically it's like doing that but seeing how fast they can go anyways never heard of that it's very weird it's very weird interesting anyways gaston van wooer there sold a pigeon for 1.9 million dollars jeez whoa now that is a come up for a bird one pigeon oh come on one pigeon like can you imagine how rich you would have to be to say, you know what? I can spend $1.9 million on a pigeon. Like... 1.9 fat ones on a pigeon. You gotta have some cash. And apparently it was an unnamed buyer from China. A very rich what? Chinese man wanted to buy this pigeon, apparently. Wow. Uh, but Like, I gotta say, though, like, out of all the birds you could spend $1.9 million on and you went with a pigeon, like... Just me, DeMarcus, but if I'm spending that kind of money on a bird, I'm getting right. an owl. I want an owl. Like, they, you know, they have cafes. Cool. They have cafes in Japan that are owl cafes. Really? Yeah, and I got to say, I'm here for it. Yes! I want to go to one. Like, I want to hang out cool in an owl. A- yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and you know what? Big Boy from Outcast, he's, right. he, he has pigeons. Or not pigeons. He really? has owls. Sorry. He has owls. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched a video on YouTube with him like talking in his uh, in his studio, and there was just an right. owl sitting behind him like, hey, what's up? Just straight chilling. Yeah. And you know who else has an owl? Selma Hayek. She has an owl. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I want to be in that crew. I want to have an owl. Like, can you imagine how weirded out the bands that come on the show, that come into the studio would be if there was just an owl in the corner and they were like, what's that? And I'm like, that's our theme owl. It's our mascot. <laughs> theme owl. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that'll be pretty dope. That's Frank the owl. Yeah. Frank the owl. He hangs out over there. Well, you got to probably give him an O name. Oscar. Oscar the Oscar. owl. You know? That works. Alliteration. Everybody wants that. Anyways, 
Okay, uh, Demarcus, we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take our last birthday suit here. Are you are re- not last? Second to last. Where am I going with it? Jeez, getting crazy. I'm very confident about this one. You know why I'm very confident? Why is that, Doc? Because you said you wanted to take it back to that early O's hip hop, and this is early oh. O's hip hop right here. Okay. So I'm confident. Okay. So uh, I'm giving you 98 percent on this one. Might be too, it might be too confident, but I'm pretty confident. So here we go. Uh, born on November 18, 1977 in Brooklyn, New York. From a young age, he was interested in hip-hop, but he really didn't start to pursue it until he was a senior in high school. In 1997, he was invited to DJ Clue's show on Hot 97. He did a freestyle over the lock song, and DJ Clue signed him to his record label. Say what? He released his album, Ghetto Fabulous, in 2001, <laughs> which was extremely popular with songs like Ambitions as a Writer, Young and Holla Back, and Can't Deny It. His second mm. album came out in 2003. His third album was Real Talk, came out in 2004, which had two big singles, Breathe and Baby. Oh. Who we know? Got? That's my man, Fab. Oh, yeah. That's it. Fabulous. 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 Turn him the big 4-3 for Fabulous. There it is. 4-3. Shout out to Fabulous. Happy birthday, my dog. Now, fun fun fact about Fabulous there. uh, uh, as As some people may have noticed, his name is misspelled, right? Uh, he's got right, he's right. got an O instead of a U in Fabulous, and apparently that was from when he did a freestyle back in like right after high school, and he misspelled right. it, and mm. like he didn't know that he misspelled it, but then everybody right. like let him know, and it sort of stuck because he liked saying Fabulous instead of Fabulous, so right, right. he just went with the O instead, and that's why it, it always stuck from that misspelling in the freestyle. So there you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, That's pretty dope. Uh, let's see. His last title uh, was released last year, which was Summertime Shootout number three. Summertime mm. Shootout number three. His only album that went to number one was uh, Loso's Way that came out based off of Carlito's Way. That was his fifth album. Went to number one on the Billboard chart. I got to be honest. I The only two fabulous albums I have are uh, Ghetto Fabulous and uh, real talk. Yes! Those are the mm. those are the two. Because breathe, breathe was the jam. Right. That was breathe was a hit. That was it. That was it. I remember that's a, that's a college hit for me because I'm old. That was a college that hit. Right my, there. That used to be my cardio song when I would go out running. No, what that like, makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> All right, we are gonna take a break. We are gonna be right back. We will be back with our guest of honor. I'm gonna be talking to Tony Esterly. Fantastic. Producer, singer, songwriter, music, producer, maker, everything that he does. We'll be right back here on the Doc G Show. Yay, yay. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio, FM, UNF Jacksonville.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very lucky to have a super talented producer and musician, Mr. Tony Esterly. Tony, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I wouldn't say very lucky. I'd say relatively lucky, kind of <laughs> lucky. <laughs> I'll go for that. <laughs> like, I, like I said before we came on air, is as long as a person wants to talk to me, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Yes. So we are very lucky. Yeah. They'll get to uh, the listeners are very lucky to get to hear about your uh, your music, man, and and your story. Very interesting, very interesting. But awesome. uh, well, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you. Yeah, but before we get there, I, I I've been asking this since March to pretty much everybody we've had on the show. Uh, you seem to be pretty busy during the pandemic time. You you released an EP right at the start, uh, reset. And uh, you just released an album of instrumentals uh, uh, about two months ago. Overall, how has it been working uh, since the pandemic hit? Uh, that's a good question, man. Uh, it's been differently interesting. Um, I mean, all of the disease and death aside, for me personally, I'm an introvert and <laughs> would always make excuses to be in the studio by myself anyways. So um, I... I haven't had a lot change except that, you know, two to three people a week don't come over anymore. Um, so I, I, I kind of, I'm a pretty self-contained unit as far as my music goes. Yeah. Where I'll produce, I'll play all the instruments, I'll produce, I'll mix and master, I'll record everything myself, I'll write, uh, write the songs with the artists, um, uh, I'll do kind of pretty much you know even most of the artwork i've done myself mm -hmm. um it's just kind of like sometimes it's just easier to do it <laughs> and get it get it how you want it instead yeah. of trying to pull peace with other people so uh things haven't changed a whole lot um yeah i've written some more songs with austin while in the downtime via zoom mm -hmm. uh where he's got a little vocal mic and he sends me recordings and we kind of go back and forth and so uh it's been overall a pretty productive uh yeah. time for me um besides all the sorrow and the kind of sadness about you know what's going on with humanity yeah. as far as this pandemic goes but yeah. um you know it's 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 a blessing that i've uh been through the ringer on all this stuff and learned how to do everything myself so that i can continue to move forward you for, know yeah well for sure i mean a lot of the artists you know it's it i have some artists that are like yourselves that that do a lot of producing and things on their own and and sort of like mm -hmm. yourself that you, you're you're more of the music creator and you don't have these big tours and then on the other side yeah. i have these touring groups that like that's everything to them and so they've just been like mm -hmm. sitting there twiddling their thumbs like what what do we do what 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 is life now like it's it's crazy yeah it's different and you probably haven't had much change i mean you're just no. in a room by yourself exactly. talking to people right <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so i mean you know for me that's the thing is the the only i will say you know that's we have from time to time we get the artists that are on tour and we can we can convince them we can drag them in uh to the studio mm -hmm. that's the only Black difference uh, yeah exactly Wait, what? <laughs> we've we've <laughs> only we've only lost out on those uh folks but i mean you know it's yeah for for those touring artists it's definitely got to be different but i i could tell you know you were you, you've been working yeah. the gears have been grinding since uh since the pandemic started let's take the listeners back all the way back because uh, you you've done you've done all 
all things in music. You've you've produced, you've engineered, you've you've wrote songs, you've mixed, you play a bunch of instruments. I mean, dobro and mandolin and drums and guitar and everything. Piano is is where it all started. I heard. Tell tell us how how you got seated behind that piano. Yes, sir. Uh, it was my grandmother in Minnesota. Um, mm. She was the church organist in a little town called Buffalo, Minnesota, and. For some reason, I was a four or five year old and I was just like drawn to listening to her play on the organ. And she had one in the house that I actually have in my studio right now. Wow. Um, and it, here, here in Nashville, that I, I, my cousin grabbed it from Minnesota and took it to Austin. And then I grabbed it from him <laughs> in Austin one time after I went to South by Southwest. I rented a van and drove it back up to Nashville. Or no, it was in St. Louis for a while. And then I moved it from St. Louis down to Nashville. So it's, Man. It's, all, it's basically just done like a straight north to south line for its whole life. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of funny. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, it's my grandma. She she would play these, you know, like Christmas carols and stuff like that. I wasn't throwing to church hymns, but um, yeah. I could, for some reason, I could just keep, I could play along with her and knew how the notes worked. And wow. I didn't really know what was going on too much, but I would just, I would annoy them to the point where they had to unplug the organ on me uh, and, <laughs> and shut it off. So they're like, go watch TV, like go be a normal kid. Like I was this really obsessive, like nerdy, awkward kid that uh, would just sit there and play music and play guitar and play piano. And that, that's kind of where it started for me. And then piano was definitely the first instrument. Now, now did you ever take lessons or was it all just you figuring it out? Yeah, there was a there was a big part of me figuring it out, um, and I learned how to read by myself. You know, kind of just getting sheet music and stuff. But I did take lessons um, from Miss Chang, who was a teacher in our neighborhood, um, where I'd walk to her house from my house. Shout um, out to Miss Chang. Probably right. Shout out. Yes, she was she was instrumental <laughs> um, in uh, getting things going in the in the learning yeah. world, and she, you know, lots of classical music and lots of like modern compositions and stuff. But she wouldn't like teach me pop music or like songs that were on the radio so it was up to me to go beg my mom to get the sheet music for like the yeah. new songs that were coming out so i could try to figure those out too you know so yeah it was uh yeah it was a fun process now what well, now so i mean when you look at your music that you do now uh well, and you work on like when you look at everything that you've done, it's 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 all over genres: rap, rock, funk, R and B, pop. Were you always open like that? Like when you first started playing music and listening to music, it were you genre tuned in, or were you open to anything? Yeah, that's a good question, man. My dad was my dad was always playing music, and he was all over the place. Um, he would. He would play tons of country music. Um, that's what I first started. And of course, as a kid, when your dad likes something, you're not supposed to like it. So yeah, I was nope. like, oh man, screw country music. But then like, <laughs> as I got older, I realized like he was listening. He was into the outlaws, you know, like Waylon yeah. Jennings and Willie yeah. Nelson and all the cool stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, oh wait, I was totally wrong about that. Like, that's <laughs> great. Uh, but he was also into pop and like, you know, he would play some disco and um he was he loved that uh he loved the eurythmics and he loved nice. um when that song uh uh sweet dreams came out That's and i jam. remember like for months i was going like who is this guy they're talking about in in this <laughs> song and like i was like 
there's this guy named Summer Dan. They're singing this whole song about. <laughs> and I was like, it took me like three months to figure out that Summer Dan was not a person, but they were saying some of them want to use you. And I thought there was this guy named, I thought there was this dude named Summer Dan who was out here just he like, he wants to use people. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I was like, you gotta watch out for like, that guy. The are hanging out with some weird people. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so he was like, he was into all sorts of stuff, man. And, um, uh, Paul Simon and like everything. So I got, I got lots of genres. And then of course I kind of like, you know, delved into my own stuff too. Um, after I got a little older and could get CD collections and stuff like that. Nice. Now what, so I've heard, I've heard, I've actually heard you say this and I've heard other musicians say this, you know, people gravitate towards that music that makes them, makes them feel something. What, what was the yes, first sir first song or music that you can remember that you were just like yeah that's it that's moving me i mean it's it's like it's kind of stereotypical but like i got a walkman when i was a kid um and tape paper cd yes sir it was a tape walkman Uh, right at the end of the tape walkman where you could record stuff you know and so i would sneak it into my bed and listen at night Mm -hmm. uh when like the classic rock show would just wouldn't talk as much and they would just play uh and i remember the first time i heard stairway to heaven like the ball songs you know that's like other and i was like what is going on like Mm. what are these guys talking about like what that was like the first kind of like jittery kind of feeling of like man there's something like talking to me here yeah something like doing more than just oh this is a sound and this is a person singing sounds you know it was like converting some sort of lyric and music into a higher energy and transfusing it into a song that can you know go out to anywhere you know and it's like that was kind of like where i like one of those moments i can still like i don't remember a lot from being a kid but i'm sure you had those moments too you're like i can i can still feel it i can still like put it in my head where the room looked like what time of night it was Mm -hmm. what was going on you know and that was was one of them i can can remember the first time i heard stairway to heaven too it was uh it was yeah a little bit it was it was a little bit later i think i was in seventh grade and uh and my brother played it for me after his cross-country practice and i was like he introduced it because i was a huge fan of uh red hot chili peppers under the bridge and he was like, yes. dude, it sort of yep. starts like that, but then it builds into this really epic song. And uh, yeah, man, I was when I heard it, I was just like, whoa, whoa, this is this is yeah. some kind of like mythical journey I'm on. And it is building <laughs> yes. into this just crazy, you know, and then the the solo and it's just so, oh, yeah, it's no doubt. It, it definitely makes it makes a lot of people feel something when people when people don't feel something from that i get a little worried to be honest i'm like yeah then you got something wrong what's going on with you (laughs) yeah yeah it was it was and you mentioned red hot chili peppers too it was them uh when blood sugar sex magic came out and dr dre the chronic yes uh, yes dr dre the chronic came out and i was like you know i was just this dumb like white kid in the (laughs) chicago middle class suburbs i'm like what is the sloss and swap hmm. beat? Like, what is this guy? Like, what is all the stuff this guy? I'm like enthralled, and I can still rap all the lyrics. I still yes. know all the lyrics to that yes. whole album, and 
I'm all the, of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And I'm like, the same way. It, I I got that yeah. album. Uh, well, my brother got that album, and neither of us should have had it because it had parental advisor yeah. sticker on it. And we were too too young, and I was in I was in third grade when it first came out, and I had all of the lyrics memorized. By the time the yep. end of elementary school, <laughs> I got sent to the principal's office for rapping nothing but a G thing in front of my class in third grade, <laughs> and I did not censor myself, so it was a problem. <laughs> but yes, yes, I can imagine. That's uh, yeah. Those two, uh, man, those two albums for me too, man. Those are those are two of my absolute all-time favorites, and just everything about them. The the uh, the chronic album with the the CD cover of the the actual leaf on the on the uh, the CD and just his face on the front of it and then the the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers with the artwork of like the tattoo coming out of their mouth like the thorn ah oh, so good mm-hmm. so and all yeah, the song it's, it's, it's all over the place with uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic yeah. I mean Funky Monks and Suck My Kiss and Under the Bridge and just Naked in the Rain there's just so many it's just I mean it is it is Red Hot Chili Peppers to me that's that's the album that that makes those guys but yes I'm yeah. de- definitely on the same wavelength as far as feeling on those two for sure that's right now once you started playing music once you got really into it and you you were thinking of this as far as like a career did you see yourself as an artist or did you see yourself as you know being behind the scenes being a producer yeah the artist the the artist project thing is the last thing that's come about in that journey Mm -hmm. um it, it was a slower journey for me because i saw myself at first as like as an engineer as a mixer as a guy that you know uh uh recording bands and Mm -hmm. like working in a studio and doing all that stuff and i spent a lot of time doing that professionally uh, in st louis um as well as like playing in bands and stuff and then i kind of got to this point where like producers would come in and i'd just be like telling them how to produce and i'm like wait a second why are these guys taking all this credit (laughs) when i'm like doing all the work for them and so production kind of came along yeah um in that point and then i was like why am i producing all these songs like i gotta start writing songs and Mm. so i wrote my own you know songs for forever and i still write (laughs) songs um i still write terrible songs and uh you know like as you as one does uh and so you know like the the songwriting kind of started coming along after years of producing as well yeah and so it, it was kind of like um you know the artist thing kind of kind of happened by mistake really mm-hmm. um i wasn't i wasn't really planning on like doing a whole you know, producer, artist kind of thing. But um, so many great songs with Austin and other people started like getting written. And I was just like, man, like, because they weren't really fitting into like Austin's vibe is a little more country. Yeah. Even though he's like a Wayland rock singer, you know, like he can just crush. And so he's like, I don't have an outlet for this under my name. And, you know, and so I was like, well, screw it. I'm just starting (laughs) this. And so it just kind of, it kind of like, exactly my manager's idea. He's like, come on, man, you got to do something with all this stuff. It's too good to just let it sit around. And it started getting picked up in a lot of TV shows and movies and movie trailers and stuff like that. And so we just kind of like, I mean, that's obviously, that's obviously great for, for you. But like, I feel, I feel almost sad for like Austin and artists like that. They get sort of, 
you know, I mean, you would think that their their fans would go along with it. They could throw out this completely different song, but it's true. I mean, you know, they they expect a lot of times fans expect something, and then you put it you put something out that's different, and it's like, oh, oh, that's not yeah not what we want. So like, it's 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 <laughs> yeah, it's sort of crazy to think about that. It's just like ah, I can't do that. That's not part of my brand, you know. But I mean, and obviously he can yeah. sing well on those things. So, but good for you. It's good. Oh yeah. It's good for it's good for your your uh, your album collection for sure. Um, it's a it's a win win for everybody, man. It's, it's the way to go. Yeah. Well, so you you mentioned it as far as uh, playing in some bands. Uh, you probably the the band you were in the longest was Gumbo Head, which was sort of yes, sir. Was sort of uh, blues funk New Orleans, you know, uh, jam band there. And you were there for a little over a decade. Was that the first like yeah. real band you played in? Yeah, there were there. That was the one that actually made it together the longest. Uh, you know, there were other like original bands in mm-hmm. St. Louis that I was in, where I would usually play guitar, sometimes pedal steel in those bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and but Gumblehead was the one that was kind of the longest. We would you know had regular gigs. Sometimes we would play four or five times a month, you know, sometimes, you know, little runs here and there out to other states and private shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was all cover, that was all cover band, you know, yeah. cover music. It was yeah. all, it was all songs from New Orleans. So like during that, there were some originals uh, mixed in here and there, but the the crowd that went to see, you know, that band was like, well, we don't live in New Orleans, but we love it down there. What's the closest thing we can get to it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> without having to go to New Orleans. Yeah. So that's kind of where we fit that little bill. Um, and that was a great learning process as far. There was a lot of people in that band. There were seven or eight. Yeah. Seven people, sometimes a full horn section, you know, like a piano player, another guitar player, drummer, percussion, uh, sax player. And so you have to learn how to shut up and like, you know, because if everybody's all playing at the same time, you know, you're just going to sound terrible. Yeah. So um, it was it was a cool experience for me to kind of learn the inner workings of all the instruments while having fun playing in and band yeah it, it definitely i was talking about that with a another one uh, ben miller we had on a couple of uh, weeks ago mm-hmm. and you know his his band has expanded and shrunk over the years and he was talking about just sort of the different dynamics when it was up to like six people versus when it was just three people he's like it's so different because like three you're just trying to make noise you're trying to fill everything yeah. and then he's like then six you're like trying to pick your parts and find where you can play so it's uh yeah, yeah. definitely different when you got a whole orchestra up there basically going at it you guys did you guys did a reunion show just a little while ago about a year ago uh how how did how did how to go getting up with the fellas after 10 years Man, it was awesome. Uh, it was great to see all the guys again and like lots of old people that used to come to the shows uh, back before and play those kind of songs again because I basically stopped playing live as much when I got to Nashville. Yeah. Um, I I would play for some artists here and there, like doing showcases and stuff and mm-hmm. occasional shows for Austin. I would play pedal steel for him sometimes. Um, but it wasn't like a whole... 
it wasn't like, a, oh, okay, well, now you're going to Nashville to play down on Broadway. Like, I, I took one walk on Broadway when I got there, and I was like, oh, great. I'm not, I can't, I'm not built for this. Got a so, hundred uh, artists going at once down there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, my joke is, man, like, if you, if you want to be a Nashville songwriter or a guitar player, you got to drive in, and once you get to the outskirts of Nashville, you got to go to a gas station and bring your guitar in and then play your, play your best guitar and play your best song and if the guy behind the counter plays better guitar and has a better song than you, you turn around and go home uh, because that's what you, that's what you're gonna be doing. Like everybody's so damn good in here. It is, know? man. So I was just like, it's, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of players here. So I was just like, well, I'm not playing live, but it's it's great to go back and and see everybody in St. Louis again and uh, you know go home for a little bit. Nice, nice. Well, you know, uh, somewhere around your the end of your time in Gumbo Head, I saw this. You you opened for Ted Nugent. Wait, what? Which I, I gotta feel. <laughs> yeah. I gotta feel like that opening for Terrible Ted had to be an experience. How how did that happen? And was it an experience? Uh, it was very weird. I got a call <laughs> a day. Be- I got a call a day before that show, and one of my I used to do like production assistant work which is basically you're like the runner you go get stuff for the artist or you take Mm -hmm. them around like anybody that would come on tour into st louis you know you show up for the whole day and basically sit around and go get them batteries or something you know (laughs) um but it was like a good like kind of like part-time job while i'm out doing stuff and so i knew a lot of people that worked at the venue and they're they knew that i played guitar and so Ted Nugent had this thing where he didn't want to be the first person on a stage anywhere that he went. And yeah. so they're like, they're like, we need somebody to come up and play guitar. <laughs> and they called me and they're like, will you come play guitar tomorrow at the amphitheater? Like, just, just make noise for 10 minutes. Like, just be out there and, <laughs> you know, we'll pay you. And I'm like, so Ted Nugent, like, I don't, I don't do classic rock. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the things he's, you yeah. know, stand for and all this stuff and you know and Ted's a polarizing uh, character. He's uh Yes, <laughs> he is, man. And you know, and it was this was a while ago too, before like, you know, I had become a little more educated on, you know, what what life the ways was like of the world and all yes. that stuff. Yeah. It it wasn't uh as as turbulent as it is now and mm-hmm. if you asked me now I would have told them to go, you know, no way. I'm not doing it. But you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, it was it was just one of those things. And I just showed up and played like guitar by myself for ten minutes in front of all these people, and it was ter- it was terrifying. And then I left right away. I was like, that was weird. I'm out of here. <laughs> Man, that is, yeah. I mean, yes, Ted is definitely insane. Um, yeah, but never saw him. Didn't meet him. Didn't do anything. Like nothing happened. You I know? do. I was like, man, that was the weirdest experience. I do have to say, like, I mean, despite everything about him personally, Stranglehold, that guitar riff, that'll make you feel something. I, you know, aside yes. that that riff is still one of my favorite riffs, bar none, as far it's as kind of it, like it's so good. Yeah, it's kind of like the first time you saw Nightmare on Elm Street. You're like, oh, okay, well, that I don't like how that makes me feel, but it makes me feel something, you know? Like he's, he's drawing from the dark side of the energy force, you know, he's, <laughs> whatever he, he's, he, he's Interesting character, that Ted. I had I uh-huh. had to ask. Um, so, yeah. like, like you said, you moved from St. Louis to Nashville. 
what made you ultimately choose to, to go to Nashville? Was it just the more opportunities in music? Yes, sir. It was, uh, I was connected with a company called Downtown Music Publishing. Mm -hmm. um, and I would come into Nashville like for a week or so at a time from St. Louis uh, and just try and meet people and write some songs. And I met some other songwriters that were already on Downtown. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of introduced me to the team over there. And gradually after like a year almost of coming back and forth, I was fortunate enough to get a publishing deal with downtown. Mm, um, nice. So I, and once that happened, I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Like <laughs> if I sign this deal, I'll, like if I sign a publishing deal, like I'll automatically make way more money yeah. than years of engineering, you know, for a small hourly rate yeah. at, a, at a, at a, at a great studio. But St. Louis just doesn't have a music industry. You know, yeah. there's no infrastructure there. So, uh, I got I got a chance to move to Nashville and, I, and I've been here for almost eight years now I think. How far uh, How far was the drive? Only four and a half five okay. hours. It not horrible. Bad at all. Yeah, not bad. Yep. Oh, man. Not at all, man. You could, if you woke up really early on a Monday, you could be in a write a songwriting session at t eleven o'clock. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. If you needed to or, or, or something, you know. So it's just like. All right. Yeah, it, it, it made too much sense for me to be here. But way, way better, way better to move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I know St. Louis has some great food. I yes. know Nashville does too. I have uh, yes. asked many, many of guests from Nashville because we have had a bunch from Nashville. Uh, if I ask you which one is better, which one has better food, St. Louis or, or Nashville? Man, honestly, the St. Louis food scene crushes Nashville. Wow. Easily. Wow. It, wow. It, it, yeah, the, the variety, the cultural differences, the uh, just the, the different ethnic neighborhoods in St. Louis make all of the other foods there better. Mm. Uh, my wife and I talk about it all the time. Mm. There's like... There's some dope spots in Nashville. Like I'm not, I'm not like knocking it, but just as far as everything you could want, it's it like it's comparable to LA. You just can't get it anytime you want, like LA. Like there's, nice. you know, there's good every there's good everything in St. Louis. Yeah. Nice. Well, now if I come to Nashville, you've had eight years now. If I come to Nashville and I ask you, I'm looking for a place to eat. I've got one night. What's your go-to spot in Nashville now that you've been there for a good while? Well, there's, uh, I, I mean, obviously there's this place called Bolton's, which is the best of the hot chicken. Mm. But if you don't want to burn your hands off, <laughs> um, you, we live like blocks away from a Hattie B's chicken. Nice. And yeah. if I go outside, sometimes it can just, it just Smell wafts it. into the yeah. backyard. Mm. <laughs> and then my nostrils start burning a little bit. And I'm like, Ooh, Hattie B's, <laughs> Hattie B's getting spicy today. But the, I would, I would, I honestly love the hot chicken here. Like oh. that's the thing that can't be beat. I know everybody says it, but that, that would be it. Bolton's oh. or Hattie B's. It's, a, it's, a, it's original, man. And how about Prince's? Do you put them up there? Or is it a step down for you? Uh, I, I my first experience was with Bolton so that holds a special place in my heart nice. I actually went a friend of mine took me to Bolton that didn't told me it was spicy but didn't exactly <laughs> tell me to eat chicken with your not with with like utensils yeah and so I, I went in there and I was just eating the chicken with my hands and I went to like touch my contact oh no yeah oh, I, got, no. I got I touched my contact like right afterwards and my eye was burning for two hours straight so like mm. I was like 
I got a special place in my heart, good or bad for <laughs> Bolton, you know. And then and Prince's and then Hattie B's obviously would be tight second and third. I've I've never actually been to Bolton's. I saw it on uh Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain went there when he was in Nashville and I mean yeah. it look it looks it definitely it has that that look to the chicken and the fish that you're just like that looks like it could cause some serious damage. That yes, the, looks <laughs> looks dangerous, and it, that's the thing with the hot chicken. Like from other like spicy things, it's it's a slow burn, and it is a creep that just keeps coming hotter and hotter. And you're like, okay, I think it's now it's getting worse. No, it's still getting worse. Yeah, no, it's getting okay. no milk will help you. No, no, it's because it's in the oil, man. It just like sort of coats your mouth as you go, and you're like, well. I'm in too deep now. I just got to finish this. This is delicious, but I'm hurting. I'm hurting bad. <laughs> yes, indeed. Very true. <laughs> well, so uh, speaking of traveling, me coming to Nashville, I'm not doing any traveling now because of the pandemic, but Nor you, am I. You, you've got to do, though, a good amount of traveling in your life. I mean, you know, going over your, uh, your social medias there, man, you got, I mean, Belize and London and Mozambique and Greece and... First question, what's your favorite place you've traveled? And then second place, where would you want uh, to travel if you could? Yeah, that's, you know, it's really, this is a really weird answer, but because the people are so amazing, Mozambique is my favorite place. Nice. Um, It's it's a totally, totally different way of life. Like over there, uh, everybody, there's so many people, like people are living on top of each other, you know, but the, the thing is, is that makes them like out and like, you know, everybody's just out on the street, like hanging out in their house, hanging mm-hmm. out everywhere, like doing stuff. And they are the most like giving nicest people you've ever met in your life. Nice. Um, which makes, it makes up for the, like the crap they've had to deal with as a country. Like they've basically been in a civil war, until recently for like the last 20 years after you know portugal had like released them to be their own country you know and so it's it's just gotten safe there like since the 80s or 90s yeah and so i mean your description um, really throws you when like because that's always it's always the thing that i think about mozambique is that they they've got an ak-47 on their on their flag what and i'm like well that's yeah that's a little frightening (laughs) those guys uh yeah they've been through it man and like that that it's you know it's that kind of thing it was like when you had like so much trauma like that you like either completely close up or you have a chance to be like well i've been through this how much worse can it get so we're gonna be good people (laughs) nice nice but they 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 actually uh we used to have it was it was crazy it's for like Two years, we had a solid, good amount of listens on our podcast from Mozambique. So true, like, and I was, I was so excited. We shouted them out every single week, and then all of a sudden, they just—I I guess maybe I don't know—they lost their Wi-Fi or something, and we we lost yeah, our Mozambique that, connection. That happens over there, man. Like life is strange. Everybody's got like two or three Facebooks because, like, all all of our friends over there because they like lose their Wi-Fi and lose their password and mm. lose the email that was on their old thing. And so they make a new Facebook and like, it's kind of like gives this like, well, we got this great thing going on right now. Like we better enjoy Cheers it and it live now. it up and, yeah. uh, you know, and see what bullshit 
and a half a neck, you know. So I got it's, it, uh, man. It's quite a place, man. Well, but yeah, that's well. Where it, would you want to spot. travel outside of Mozambique? What, what what's a place that you'd want to go that you haven't yet? Yeah, that's a, the Thailand is on my wife and I's list. Nice. Um, until yeah, until this uh, until the pandemic happened, we were planning to go there next year for her 40th birthday party. And, mm kind of spend a couple of weeks there but not happening now so yeah. um definitely the thailand you Maybe know, area, like all that kind of stuff yeah we'll we'll just we'll just delay it a year <laughs> but that's, that's and you can just fun. act like it's the 40th you can just yeah yeah we'll just pretend <laughs> nobody nobody else cares anyway yeah well speaking of your wife i have to say you know a lot of times when I'm I'm looking through, uh, and and I'm not pointing out anybody that's been on the show before, but sometimes when I'm going through the the family pictures, they don't really look that happy. Nope. You know, like I, I look at that, I'm like, uh, <laughs> don't know if this is good. But yeah. like you and your wife just make me happy because you guys look so happy. She seems like a great person to have in your corner. Oh man, she is the best. Um, like one of the most amazing people I've met in my life. And nice. Yeah, I'm I'm really lucky lucky to have her in my life. We met in St. Louis, and she she actually has a doctorate in social work. So she's mm. a um, she's a counselor, and she does lots of other social work, like lots of volunteer work in Mozambique and other stuff. Um, which is how we have such a connection over there. But yeah, she is like it helps work the, through the your person. problems. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not about yeah. It's like it's that too, but it's like we have this perfect kind of like energy connection together, where we just kind of got together later in life, and we both met each other like the first time, and we were both like, oh yeah, that's it, you know, <laughs> like that kind of where it wasn't like, oh, I think I like this person, or do they yeah. like me, or like what is this going on, you know? That, there was still a little bit of that, but it was more of like a it was that this you is know it. like like oh yeah, this is it and. So nice. as we kind of got to know each other and, you know, like get married and all this stuff, like we're just kind of just the perfect yin yang for each other. You know, she's yeah. like a super extrovert. I'm an introvert. and We kind of balance each other out like that. So she doesn't go too crazy or I don't stay <laughs> home playing on my computer for weeks at a time. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's a great combo. I well, And I knew she was I would I knew she was a singer. But while I was I was looking Man, up things, she's an amazing singer. Yeah, well, like while I was looking up things for this interview, you know, I was like, oh, I'll take a listen to a couple of her songs, and she's what a powerhouse of a voice, man. Oh, man. Like it's crazy. She goes for it. And and that jam, yeah, you guys, you put found my vibe. That's so good. You 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 wrote that with her. Yes, sir. We wrote that. Um, it was like a a thing we do for Valentine's Day. We 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 would write a song on Valentine's day to kind of do something different instead of just going out to dinner or doing whatever. Yeah. And we wrote that one a while ago, um, maybe five years ago or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been put in Grey's Anatomy and, uh, that Kevin Hart movie. Nice. The last one he did, it was in the open credits. Um, yeah, a bunch of stuff. And we, we kind of, we, we've done a couple albums for her together and, uh, you know, doing all sorts of, that's kind of how we connected was music at first, you nice. know, her doing music in St. Louis and I would play kind of in her band a little bit and help produce her first album. And, you know, while we were, <laughs> while we were doing her first album, we were like, Oh gosh, like what's going on here? You know, we were both <laughs> in like other relationships and wouldn't talk about it. We're like, I really like this person, but I can't, I'm not supposed to. Yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I did, I went to Nashville 
I was like, well, I like Sarah, but you know, like I got to go make a career for myself. And sure enough, like six months after I got to Nashville, we were both single, you know, under different circumstances. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's oh, make man. this as hard as possible. I was about to say, Let's now, make it, now you got five hours in between each other. Ah. Yeah. 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 We'll see if we really want to do it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how it came about. But nope. it's a, uh, yeah, she's awesome, man, and an amazing musician herself, piano player, singer. Like it's it's awesome to be nice. around somebody like that all the time. Nice. Well, speaking of, let's let's talk about your music. You, uh, like you mentioned, you you work with Downtown uh, Music Publishing, and, and you got all kinds of great artists that you've you've worked with over you know over the years, and all again, all kinds of different genres. And I, I don't want to make anybody feel left out, but as far as those big artists go, who have you who have you vibed with the most that you got to work with that you were just like, yeah, we're on the same wavelength right here. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that happens with music that makes it to the point to actually get released. Like the artists that do put out music like mm -hmm. they have to feel that too you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah um for like honestly for like two of the biggest acts that i've worked with i've never even met um i did like i have a song with bts yes in korea um that i just wrote in nashville with another songwriter here david quinones mm -hmm. and we just kind of wrote the song we're like oh maybe we can pitch it to justin bieber or somebody else <laughs> you know around here and next thing you know like the head of bts is like you know the owner of their company is like emailing us about using the song and we're like oh, all right that <laughs> you know, works. Like, that's cool yeah i never met those guys uh never met sia um you know like never like she only records by herself with her own engineer so mm -hmm. i just got a chance to work on some of the songs for this hamilton mixtape via one of my mentors and co-publishers mike elizondo who's like one of the greatest humans in the world as well as being amazingly talented too. Nice. Um, but you know, but as far as like artists that have actually been in the room and worked with, it's like, uh, there's a guy named Gavin Haley that I write with a lot. Yeah. Um, he's kind of on the way up. Uh, yeah. he's on Red Bull records and, um, lives in LA, but we, every time we get together, we like have, we just goof off and, you know, like write some dumb song that we're like, oh, who cares? Whatever. Let's just talk about this stuff you're going through. And <laughs> it always kind of like ends up being like this, you know, little left field experiment that always seems to work and always seems to get released. And so we kind of have like a nice trust issue. And that's what it comes down to, too, is like also vibing with somebody. But yeah. like, you know, like if we wrote a song right now and, you know, you're like, hey, I want to release this song, but, uh, you know, I don't. I don't trust that you're going to come good on the back end of stuff and, yeah. you know, the business terms and everything. It's like, what's going to make me want to do that again? Yeah. Or if I'm being terrible about terms, you know, what's going to make them want to work with me? So it's like, it has to be an all encompassing kind of thing yeah. to build a long-term, a long-term partnership, which is what I, I want to do with artists. You oh, know, yeah. it's like, I don't want to just do one, one song and then be like, okay, see you later. <laughs> cool, man. You know, like, I want to do like an album. I want to do like, you know, write hits and hits and hits. And yeah. Go, go like that. So that's, that's kind of the goal for me. For sure. Well, you mentioned BTS and like, you know, K-pop so, so popular right now. It's crazy. I mean, 
you know, I mean, P- mm-hmm. BTS has 32 million monthly streams, uh, monthly listeners on Spotify, just on Spotify. It's crazy. Amazing. Uh, were, were you a fan of K-pop before you worked with them? I, I mean, like, like you said, you were looking like, oh, maybe it'll be like Justin Bieber or anything. But like, did you think it'd go that vein? And did you listen to that? No, uh, this was right on the verge of them taking over the world when this song <laughs> came out. So it was like, I was like, you know, like you get that email and you're like, who the hell, you know, like yeah. I honestly didn't know who they were. Yeah. I had maybe heard some inklings of like, there's this Korean, you know, K-pop band that's yeah. just like owning the world right now. And then I looked them up and you can see they had, they at, at that time they had all this stuff on YouTube, you know, like yeah. all their streaming was based off of YouTube. And so, I went on there and some of their songs had like hundreds of millions of views yeah. and I was like, oh, this could be great. Like, <laughs> yeah, these guys, let these guys take this song. You this know? sounds like, good. Can, this is... You guys want any other? Yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you guys want any other song? <laughs> well, in the in those uh, songs, there are, you know, the, the verses are in Korean. Do they just... Yeah. Do they just, I mean, straight translate that to Korean or like... Is there somebody that wrote that for you guys? What? How did that work? That's the interesting part that doesn't get talked about is the songwriting side. So mm-hmm. uh, my friend DQ and I, we wrote that song with him singing the melodies in the English words. It was all English. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was is they said, we love this track. We love the melodies. Mm-hmm. We want to add um, one of our songwriters as who is going to be like an equal third mm. to this song to translate it into Korean and you know like change it because they you know Make like the rhyme. theme we, yeah the... The, yeah yeah in Korean yeah the, the original song we wrote was called Waves mm-hmm. and it was um, it was kind of about like you know just. You know, uh, won't you stay with me, with me in the waves? And mm-hmm. they change it to, you make me begin, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, so they changed all the lyrics to it, but they caught, they kind of like used exactly the melodies, mm-hmm. every single one that w- we did on our original song, yeah. just with different lyrics. And so that kind of happened. And then, you know, they, they, um, wanted to use my track as you know me as the producer as well so they kind of licensed that and then just kind of went out from there it was nice. quite a process yeah no doubt that seems i mean especially when like you said you've never met the guys so it's sort of uh, a piece by piece deal i'm guessing of like okay now we got this yeah okay, let's put this in okay there we go uh well mm-hmm. well speaking of that producing wise i've noticed you know going back looking at your work there's you're a huge disciple of Ableton, like just all the yeah. I mean Ableton push, especially you look like it's so cool on that push. I wish I was so as as dexterous as you are on it. Your fingers just pushing all those buttons, going at it. What what makes you such a fan of their uh, equipment and whatnot? Um the. Well, first of all, I'm, I know how to, I don't know how to like hack the push to make it look like I'm doing all this really cool, <laughs> but it's really just kind of doing basic stuff. But anyways, uh, but anyways, like Ableton has always kind of been this like left field adventure for me. Like when I started using it, nobody was using it for a lot of professional, like even production stuff. They were doing more dance or yeah. like house music or even dubstep on it. Um, because well, it's like, like it's, it's a weird one because you can actually perform on it 
or you can produce mm-hmm. on it. So it's like a a mixed breed of 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 doll there. Yeah, it's yeah, it it's that I don't use the performance part at all. I use the part the edit window more so that like kind of is similar to Pro Tools or Logic where yeah. you have the whole song kind of laid out. Uh and I just use that like any other, you know, uh, but it's just so much faster and so much more creative and makes you think things through differently and do things differently um, that I just kind of like ran with it, you know, and I got to Nashville, like I was like the only guy using Ableton here and people would like, like I was doing country rights and people would be like, the hell are you doing? Like, where's Pro Tools? And I'm like, oh man, it's, it's better than Pro Tools. And they're like, don't f- up, you know? Oh man, you're <laughs> like wow. <laughs> you're you're like the guy that back in the day in like the early '90s that was using Mac, and you're like, "This is a Mac. What? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, ridiculous. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, it does the job as long as it sounds good. You know, people stop caring, but then yeah. now more and more people are kind of coming around to Ableton. And- yeah. Yeah. Well, like I noticed, you also had. Uh, the I, I I think it's called Rolly. Is that the the way you the Yeah, yeah. That thing is wild with all the different like motions you can make. It looks like it basically looks like sort of like a keyboard that just has these indentions on it, and like you just slide your finger up on it. It's like almost like a dobro or something. It's it's crazy. Yeah, the noises weird, that come out of it. It's a weird combination of different instruments. Uh, it uses this technology called MPE, which I don't know what the MPE stands for, <laughs> but it basically it captures uh, more parameters than just a velocity and a note. You know, yeah. like say if you hit the C relatively hard, it would hit at 127. But you know, this captures like movement in different parameters yeah. all within that signal it makes it immensely more powerful, you yeah. know, and it's wild. And the cool thing about, yeah, the cool thing about Ableton is that just on this new update that's coming out, they have implemented the MPE technology into the new Ableton mm. program. So you can use the Roly to control vocal effects. You can use it to do any other MIDI stuff. You can do oh, wow. tons of stuff with it. So yeah, it's, it, things are really getting wacky nowadays, man. <laughs> yeah. You can make all kinds of crazy sounds and noises with that for sure. Uh, yes, indeed. Well, well, so to go along with your uh, work with downtown, you, you have your own publishing group. You have your own group. Pray for my haters, which I love the yes, name, sir. by the way. Fantastic. Yes! Uh, oh, thank you. H- how did how did that come about? How did you decide to make your own uh, group? Yeah, it is one does in the music world. You continue to grow and you know become like I'm not saying I'm an island, but like you gain more like experience and learn ways to make other people's lives easier and better faster as you go through the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so me after, after about six years of just writing, you know, I was kind of like, uh, was talking with my manager and we kind of floated the idea to downtown to my, my publishing company is kind of what's called a joint venture with downtown. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, downtown shares in the publishing as well as the songwriter and as well as I do. So it's like kind of saying it's like lightening the load on each of us. Like downtown yeah. doesn't have to do as much day-to-day development, um, like listening to songs, um, helping, you know, my, the songwriters I have with mixes and stuff like that. Um, 
symbiotic so relationship. Came, yeah, exactly. Like they handle more of the the contracts and the financial obligations and the administration mm-hmm. and the money collection and stuff. And uh, and my kind of work comes from being able to help these songwriters that I'm developing and also like mentoring. You know, to be like, oh man, don't waste your time doing that. Like, oh, this song is great. Do more yeah. of this. Like, oh, now you know, one before, of the guys. Even the, one of the guys you have came from the the same studio that you worked for in St. Louis, right? Yeah, Luke Aaron, man. Yeah. He was uh, he was one of my buddies in, in St. Louis, and he took over at Shock City, this mm-hmm. old studio I used to work at uh, after I left. And then I got, I got down here and started writing. He's like, "What's going on in Nashville, man?" And I'm like, <laughs> "You better get down here, bro. <laughs> you better get down here. It's way like, better, St. It's Louis. You don't even know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you don't like that's the weird thing about being in like a smaller market." city is like you can just spend so much time beating your head against the wall like why is music not working for me like why am i not getting opportunities when you don't like you know like somebody literally has to slap you and say start writing songs start (laughs) owning your music like start like start creating projects start like you know learning what intellectual property is and get out of here like (laughs) you know somebody literally has to do that to you to get you to kind of go oh yeah (laughs) you know Uh, because like music business is not the most educated field in the world so luke luke was in st louis and i'm not saying he wasn't educated but there's just only so much you can you can garner in a smaller market town and so i was like Hey, dude, check out Nashville. And sure enough, two years later, he came down here and, nice. you know, got enough things going himself where I'd signed him. And then I also, uh, Paige Blue is another producer uh, who lives in Nashville here. She is a bad, um, amazing songwriter, vocalist, instrumentalist, mixer as well. Um, and there's another guy named Justin who goes by the name of Young Youth who's on some Esterly songs. And he's, uh, on the team as well um, and he's a great rapper like singer top liner lyric writer everything so it's kind of like the whole publishing joint venture was a way for me to help people that do multiple things find the best one to focus on at that time and yeah. go in on it and get things moving you know nice Not, well Speaking of Asterly, speaking of your project, let's, uh, you know, and, and and wrap it back together with those diverse influences. Uh, you released your, yeah. your your EP there, Reset, uh, and that was, like I said, it was right around the, the beginning of March. I think it was 11th, March 11th, and you mm-hmm. you remade, uh, like, like, I didn't... I I listened to one and then I realized that all of them were re, remakes of of other songs that I was like, oh man, he took all these and it's across the spectrum. It's it's Jewel, it's Technotronic, it's Motley Crue. Like, how did you choose those songs? Were those the the singers that you worked with wanted to do those songs, or was it just sort of like? random that's how it worked out yeah that's a, that's a, it's it i still don't know how i chose those songs honestly <laughs> like some of them were like just like <laughs> i mean some of them were no brainers like where's my mind was like i always love that song i remember seeing it in you know fight club at the end of the movie where yeah. like oh yeah like that's uh yeah so i have this kind of obsession with like film composing too and like the whole like kind of like uh, I guess ulterior goal behind that was to see if I could like make these songs sound like film scores mm. um, 
or like you know like little movie moments within the constraints of like a, a three minute pop song you know mm-hmm. like it was kind of like a little challenge to see if I could pull off a cinematic aspect into those songs and you know like make them feel like bigger than just a song you know mm-hmm. and kind of and get them get them looked at a different way you know yeah um and so i i just try to kind of flip them around and it was my manager's idea uh dave hopper he was you know pretty instrumental and in like hey why don't we try something weird like you know <laughs> who knows this might this might be terrible it might flop or it might it like you know go crazy who and knows? you're like so, dave sure that's um, fine it's just my career it doesn't matter no yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well see yeah i owe him a lot man he's the guy that he's the guy that kind of like was like no this has to think you're gonna do this it's gonna be great and i was like and nice. it hasn't you know yeah. so it's like uh, it, 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 you know, it's it's kind of like those things where you just go for it and see how it goes. You know, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, you picked out some of the, like I love, like especially the Jewel, the Technotronic, the Motley Crew. Those are like three of my favorite. Like Technotronic, you're talking about recording, you know, with the Walkman. I remember one yeah. of the, my my local radio station when I was a kid had the High Five at nine. And Technotronic was on there for like a year and a half. And I recorded that. <laughs> I recorded that on a tape. And man, I would dance parties in my basement for an hour to Technotronic pump up the jam. And it's such a the 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 extra that you added in that song at the end with the the sort of that extra I don't know, the sound effects that you have there that you added on it, those layers, that really that really spiced it up. I really like that. Yeah, cool. It was a good addition. That was a fun one to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was a fun one to do with my my friends, uh, the Knuckles, uh, Aloha Michelle, and uh, this other guy, Rockwell Knuckles, in in St. Louis. They Mm -hmm. they went to a studio and recorded and sent those vocals to me. And this was pre-pandemic. Like, I couldn't get to St. Louis, and they couldn't get to Nashville. So we just kind of, like, went back and forth until we got all the vocals right. And, uh, yeah, that was... That was like the fun, the most funnest, like wackiest one on the on yeah. the EP for sure. Yeah, well, and then the uh, home sweet home. I just uh, Austin kills the the vocals on that. I mean, he does. And he, he adds these Everything. extra things in it, man. Like you know, I was singing along with it originally from the original Motley Crue version when he was singing. I was like, oh, whoa, that's what did he just do there? That was awesome. And then I rewind it again and be like, whoa. That's that's a that's a whole nother jump. He's doing some vocal gymnastics there. I like it. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, Austin, man, he's he's on another. He's from another planet. Like he can yell and scream and like do the you know belt it out. But like inside, he is like the sweetest, <laughs> like nicest, most tender dude you've ever met. And you're like, wait a second, are you gonna bear hug me to death? Are you like <laughs> crying? Are you crying because you love me so much? You're like, which one is it? You know? Like uh he's he's that type of dude, man. But it's he, it's awesome to, he to does, get to work with him. He does look like it, it's it's uh you know it's it's like the it's like the snake that's not actually poisonous that makes himself look like the snakes <laughs> that's poisonous and then you find out he's completely harmless. That's Austin. He yep. looks like the poisonous yep, snake and it. then you talk to him, you're like, Oh no, that guy's really nice. Never mind. He's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yep. That's, you, that's him. You just released the instrumentals uh about about two months ago there of a lot of your songs. What what was the reason that you wanted to release the the instrumentals of it? So 
there's a lot of people that love my world and love to sing over that too. Yeah. And so I wanted to put those out into the world to let people, you know, like sing, <laughs> be Austin, you know, on yeah. that without, without having them in there, you know, nice. like all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and also too, like in a lot of film placements, you know, they'll, they'll mainly use a lot of the instrumentals for stuff nice. and a lot of TV shows is, it's just that. So I was just kind of, it was just something to put out to kind of give people like, Oh, here's just the music, you know, yeah. like here's some, a different take on this song that, you know, you wouldn't really get to hear. The regular public doesn't get to hear those. Well, but, you know, I mean, I so remember do. back in the day, like you, like we were talking about, like that's a, it used to be when it was so, when it was so hot that people used instrumentals as far as like DJs and whatnot, you would get those tape singles. The back of a record, yeah. Yeah, and, and they would always have the instrumental on there. And, uh, you know, yep. now now they, they don't do that. So I, w I was sort of wondering if that's where you were going with it, with those people that wanted to use that instrumental like that. Um, yeah, it's kind of a combo of both of that. Well, last, uh, last question. Uh, obviously little bit up in the air, but like you said, not as much for for your career. But what are the next steps for Esterly? Uh, are you thinking full album? What's what's going to come next? Yeah, man. There's uh, right now. I've got another one um, with Austin that's going to come out early next year. Um, that we don't have an exact release date for yet, but uh, we've written a bunch of songs over the pandemic via Zoom that um one of them is really kind of shining through that will nice. be probably another single to put out um as far as an album i don't have any plans yet to do those i kind of like to do little little eps and like little stabs at stuff you know instead yeah. of like a huge 10 15 song thing which like it, it, a lot of the artists i work with are doing that too where, where it's not about a big 10 12 song album anymore it's about four or five little songs that kind of fit together that you know you can tell a little story with yeah people don't have enough attention then, span for the full album it's it's too long yeah, and, yeah man <laughs> they don't you know like they don't and i don't want to try to make people sit down and listen listen to my you know dumb music for a half hour like <laughs> here's 15 minutes maybe you can handle that you know <laughs> like uh, there's so much other good stuff you could be listening to too you know like uh so uh like grandson for instance who was just on your show man yeah like, amazing man and like he's uh, i've never met him before but like we have similar my manager knows his manager or something and like always try to connect when i'm in la and it never works out but mm. uh yeah like his, his kind of stuff he's done a lot of singles and singles i think he did an album last year or something he's getting right? ready but, um, to do an album he's uh it's coming oh, cool. out december 4th so he's he's coming nice. out he was uh, he was a little on edge when he came on the show because of the election, but he, he's 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 he's, he's exercised those demons now, so he's uh, yes, yeah, he's excited. Quite the political guy, I love it. Yeah, he, he's ex I'm, excited about releasing the album, but yeah, I think you guys would you guys would vibe very well as far as uh, the music side of things, and he's always he's he seems extremely open to to ideas. He loves you know. Mm -hmm. Like like you were saying, as far as uh, working with Gavin, like just like having this open, you know, let's go on the swim, let's try it out, let's 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 yep. do the crazy thing. So 
Yeah, that'd be. That's where that's where real music happens, man. That's where the good stuff happens. <laughs> sometimes you're doing that, you know, and it's this weird thing, man. Of like, sometimes you get to that point before you even know you're there. Yeah, and then you like you have some success or something, and then you go back like, all right, let's do that again, and you, you screw it all up. So <laughs> you're like, oh, wait a second, and then you're like thinking about it too much, you know? Like it's a it's a weird process, man. That, but, um, that's a lot yeah, of that's a lot yeah. of things in life. You 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 think about it too yeah. much, you screw it up, man. Just just ride the wave. Yep, every time. Just ride every the wave. Every time. Well, Tony, we are against a break, man, but I want to thank you for taking so much time on the show today. Man, I want to thank you for having me, man. It's, it's really great to chat with you and, uh, um, and get, to, get in touch with everybody down in Florida down there, man. For it's sure. Really awesome. For sure. Listeners, you can follow Esterly on Spotify or on Instagram at Tony Esterly right now. Let's take a listen to that home sweet home. Little acrobatics from Austin right here on the Doc G Show. You know I'm a And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Tony Esterly. There it was. There it was. Nice man. Nice tunes. Nice dude. Really enjoyed Tony. He's a real nice guy. I feel like nice. if me and you take a trip to Nashville, we can hang with Tony. Bro, I feel like. I would love to hang with Tony. Man. I know. Nashville? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Nashville, dude. Now, have you been to Nashville? I haven't been to Nashville, but I've been through it. It's an awesome city. The whole city in in general, fantastic city. Um, right, right. Uh, and like I said, fantastic food, man. So true. Talking, mm. talking princes, uh, hot chicken, Ooh. Hattie B's hot chicken. Say what? Uh, Bolton's hot chicken. Uh, the hot chicken is where it's at. That's obviously Dark. what they're known for. Um, you know I can put away some food, so I'm I'm definitely down. If you hit the right food, sometimes when you don't hit the right food, you can't you can't put it away. But when you get the food ah, you like, true. you can put it that away. That is true. You can put it away. That is true for sure. Now, oh, yeah. I was amazed though that he said that that St. Louis had better food. That was pretty crazy. Oh wow! Because that makes me want to sort of go to St. Louis too. You know? Is that? Oh, have you yeah. ever been to St. Louis? I haven't been to St. Louis. I, My mom always talks about going to St. Louis. Really? Mm. Yeah, I, because of the food. Oh, well, How did I think there about you it? go. Yeah. There you go. What well, now? I mean, I know they got you know they're 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 a uh, they're a sweet barbecue capital. They got they, mm. they got a bunch of sweet barbecue in St. Louis. I know that. Now, I mean, right. he was talking about all the ethnicity uh, as far as getting you know different different types of food. So, I mean, who knows, man? We got to check out both. Hmm. Apparently, it's uh, it's only it's only for about four and a half hours between the two. So we can hit him up. Oh, that's not bad at all. We can hit him up. Anyways, thank you to Tony for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Check out his music; it's fantastic. Okay, all right, Demarcus. It is time for the twenty fifth edition of Shoe and Tell. Yes. All right. Now, nice. as I have told you, Demarcus, this is where I have brought on, and I'm sure most of our listeners don't like this segment. Nope. It's probably more for me, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but right. I don't have anywhere to show off my shoes. 
So at least I got to mm. talk about them, you know? Right. So the 25th, as I told Dave last week, the 25th was going to be another one that was a non-Jordan shoe. Mm. So, mm. so far, we have had 22 Jordans and two non-Jordan shoes in Shoe and Tell. That's a fact. The 25th shoe is none other than the Nike Flight Bonafides. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Now, for you folks out there that don't know the Nike Flight Bonafides, they are made off of the Zoom Flight 95s. Ooh. Which the Zoom Flight 95s were the shoes that Jason Kidd made famous. They've got that the, is true. They got the big, the big bubbles on the side. They've got these big old yep. bubbles that run along like the side. Moon shoes. Yeah. Now the cool thing <laughs> about the Zoom Bonafides is they've got the fly knit on the top, so they got the all the stretchy on the top. Sweet. And then right, they don't even right. have laces. They zip up no on laces. the back. Say what? They got a zipper on the back, like some kind of crazy dress shoe, and. I gotta be honest. I've played. I, I've played a little basketball in them. Now I've I've done right. I've done more lifting in them. They're a comfortable right. Right. shoe. They are extremely mm -hmm. comfortable, and you look like an astronaut when you're walking around in these things. <laughs> like you just. I bet so. You just feel like you're from the future with these things on, man. And they they are right. awesome. I love them. They're the only shoe that I will have on Shoe and Tell that is neither a Scotty Pippen shoe or a Jordan shoe. These are the only mm. ones. And I got to be honest, when they came, when when the uh, Nike uh, Zoom Flight 95s came out, I right. wanted to get them, but, mm. but I never did. Now, I do have I do have a pair of Zoom flights, too, actually, the 95s. Wait, but we're not going to really? use those in Shoe and Tell because they've been worn down too much. I can't. <laughs> I can't actually say those are in the collection. They're not nice enough, you know. Uh, so there you go. Number twenty-five, Nike Flight Bonafides. Twenty-five. And and by the way, the colorway, black and white on those, classy. You could wear them with a the tuxedo. It can happen. I was about to say, yeah. You 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 got to keep it neutral. Yeah. So you can. Yeah. Now, yeah. Well, now sometimes, as the listeners know, I like to get crazy on some of the Jordans. Cause I do, I do have the nothing but net Jordans that are all just all kind of purple, yellow, green, red. They're all over the place. So true. But that's just that's when I want to get funky at like a barbecue. Right. When I'm going out yeah. to the cookout and I want to look way fly, that's what I'm going to put on. Right. That's what I'm going to put nice. on. Nice. Okay. So speaking of way fly, it's time for our third birthday suit. Last birthday suit. Are you ready? Oh. Yeah, bring it on. I, I'm pretty confident about this one too. So this is a okay. this is a basketball player, and I'm well aware of this basketball player. Now this basketball player was the idol of one of my uh, teammates in high school. Like my right. teammate Lee Kegley wanted to do everything this dude did, and this dude amazing stuff. So, anyways, I'm giving you I'm right. giving you 90 percent on this one. Pretty sure on this one too. Uh, Confidence. Born on November 18, 1975 in Bell, West Virginia. Mm. Her birthday suit wearer loved basketball, played in high school. In fact, on the high school team, he played with Randy Moss at DuPont High School. He was the only player in DuPont High School history to score 1,000 points and 500 assists in a single season. 
He was named West Virginia Player of the Year in 1994. He ended up going to Marshall University and playing for Billy Donovan. But when Bi- Jason Williams. Yeah, there it is. Jason Williams. Jason yep. Williams is correct. Turning the big four five for Jason Williams. There it is. Shout out to Jason Williams. Now, I'll go ahead since I like Jason. I'll finish this uh, this uh, narration of his career. Uh, he, he followed Billy Donovan to the University of Florida. Uh, and his one year at University of Florida, he averaged 17.1 points, 6.7 assists, 2.8 steals a game. In 1998, he was selected seventh overall by the Sacramento Kings. Yes! On the court, he was simply electric with his highlight passes that routinely landed him on the ESPN Top 10. Uh, his jersey became the top five selling jersey in the NBA his uh, rookie season. That's right. His nickname was White Chocolate. White Chocolate. Yes. <laughs> in yeah. 2001, he was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. And then in 2005, he was traded to the Miami Heat, where he was involved in the largest trade ever, involving 13 players. The... Once he got to the heat, though, he took down a lot of his flamboyant style and worked on truly trying to pass as much as possible. And for two years, he had the best turnover-to-assist ratio in the NBA. And in 2006, he won a championship with the Miami Heat. He retired in 2011. Jason Williams. There it is. Shout out to Jason Williams, a.k.a. White Chocolate. Now, I I implore our listeners to go on YouTube and look up some Jason Williams highlights because you will be amazed. Uh, The things that he did, like the passes that he did in the NBA, in NBA games, were insane. Like, Hey, the man was sick with it. I mean, like, he was doing things that people normally did in and one mixtapes. Like, right. in an NBA game that you were just like, what? Like, I mean, the pass that he did off the elbow, where he threw it behind right. his back and then hit it off the yep. other elbow, that, yep. like, I had to watch, like, four times. I learned that from him. Yeah, like, I had to watch it, like, four times just to make sure that it actually happened. That's a fact. Like, I was like, right. that really... And then the one where he does he did he has this one where he does a fake pass over the top and then he puts it through his legs to the person beside him. It's insane, man. Just I right. mean, just oh gosh. Like there's no but like Steph Curry made the three point so cool to do, right? Right, right, right. Jason uh, Jason Williams made the assist so cool to do. Like, right. he made you want to be that guy that had 12 assists and no points on your team. Like, you're like, right. who cares, man? I had that awesome dish. Like, it just, so cool. So cool. He's like a blend of Magic Johnson and Pistol Pete. Yeah, to a degree. Because, I mean, you know, Magic, was, I mean, obviously Magic scored more points. But to right. a degree, he had the smoothness that Magic had. But he also had a lot of the 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 crazy tricks that pistol pete had you know and right, obviously right. he was uh he was a white guy from country bumpkin just like pistol pete you know right like can you imagine too i just wish i could get in a in a in a 
a time machine and go back to DuPont High School in 94 and watch Randy Moss and Jason Williams in a high school game. Like, right. you know how insane that would be? Like, Randy Moss that- must have been dunking all over people. Like, right, <laughs> and then and then Jason Williams throwing him like no look look oops through his legs and stuff just ah oh. and then they're from the middle of nowhere West Virginia like no one ever heard of yeah like come <laughs> on which by the way if anybody gets a chance to watch the the uh, thirty for thirty on uh, Randy Moss one of the best ones love that one mm. Rand University mm. is what it's called because he was from Rand. Uh, West Virginia. So good. So good. Check it out. Anyways, happy birthday to Jason Williams. 45. Big ups to White Chocolate. Shout out. Okay. DeMarcus, this is where I tell you about the fantastic shows, and I have got a doozy for next week. My God. Nice. So next week is the Thanksgiving special. Okay. We have a running... We have a running uh, yearly show that we call the Thanksgiving special that I try to get a fantastic guest for every year. We have had Blackberry Smoke on the show. We have had Andy Frasco, one of our favorites on the show. We have had Mm -hmm. Keb Moe last year, which was fantastic. And this year, we are keeping it up. We have Tommy Putnam from Moon Taxi. In Mm. Nashville, he's coming on the show. Can't wait. Moon Taxi is huge. I mean, Moon Taxi, they've done Seth Meyers. They've done Jimmy Kimmel. They've done The Letterman Show. They've done uh, just like Conan. They've done it all, man. And now they're doing the biggest, best show, the Doc G Show. Yeah. The Doc G Show. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm very excited about it. It's going to be a fantastic show. After that, man, I got a couple other great guests. I've got Grayson. Grayson, you don't even know. Uh, I'm not going to try to say his last name right now because I haven't actually looked up how you say it properly, so I don't want to screw it up, (laughs) right? Yeah, you don't want to mess that up. Exactly, but he is (laughs) phenomenal on the drums. This dude is okay. literally one of the best drummers in the world. And I'm not I'm nice. not I'm not fronting. This guy can do anything on the drums. He's got like 200,000 followers on Instagram and it's because he is insane at the drums. I can't wait to talk to him. We're going to have him on the show after the Thanksgiving Day special. But for now, DeMarcus, we got to wrap it up. How okay. has your experience on the Doc G show been? Hmm. Man, this has been one of an experience coming on to the Doc G show, yes. you know, it's it's like no other experience that I've I've ever been through. Yes. Like I, I I feel like I've made it, Mama. I made it, Mama. Yes. I made it. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm here, baby. Like I told you, don't get don't get too excited. Don't think anything in your life's gonna change. But nope. you have made it. <laughs> yes, yes, I definitely made it. Now. We've got to wrap it up. So until next week, guys, I've been your host, Doc G. With me, the new co-host, the new co-host in the seat, Demarcus Heller. He's going to be here. Don't worry. I'll get him a nickname, guys. We're going to think of a good nickname, a good radio nickname for him. We're going to work on that. Yeah, we got to work on that. We'll get there. But until next week, (laughs) zip it up and zip it out. All right.